Welcome back to the podcast. Today's podcast is once again brought to you by Chef Notepad. If you do not know Chef Notepad, check it out on their Instagram and it'll tell you all about how you can create menus, share menus, get all your food costing right. Very, very important. But today on the podcast, we have Mr. Tim Adams. He has a fantastic story. He is actually making me a coffee right now. I'm so excited because... Tim was like 2009 barista champion. He's actually so much more than just a barista. This guy looks after farms uh, in Colombia and loads of different places. He has a really, really amazing, happy team here. Listen to this one. You're going to learn lots. If you like coffee, you'll love this broadcast. Tim Adams, welcome to the broadcast. Broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Produce. Man. Produce. Nice Produce. one. That's you very, that? very snappy. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, thank you for having us here at your beautiful, uh, where are we, Kiwana? Where are we? Technically, Rwana. Rwana. Yeah. Rwana. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Lovely, cool place. You've just given me a little tour. Um, one of the big questions I need to ask you is, is, is what makes you different um, from all the other amazing coffee houses we're so lucky in australia to have really great coffee yeah and um you know everyone's looking for a point of difference and mm. you know i i obviously involved with loads of places that make coffee when we supply you know lots of amazing cafes yeah and there are a lot of a lot of great coffee houses out there and restaurants and stuff that do great coffee what makes what makes you different me as in myself or the brand the brand the brand you are the brand well, i am the brand i guess that's a really Layered question, yeah. Uh, in the uh, fact that so there's I many... just sit back now and you talk for the yeah. next hour. It's great. Wow, awesome. You get, you get the easy job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when I first started, my main focus was to um, share my knowledge about coffee as a barista with as many many cafes and individuals as I as I could. Um, so I had a background of of being in the military, which then. I guess created a, a nice little path for me as far as work ethic goes. Wow. Um, and it, it gave me really good structure as well and, and camaraderie and mateship and looking after people and just working as a team and, and being, being in a team unit rather than working as an individual yourself. Um, so when I sort of got out of the Navy, I, I sort of f- tried to figure out what I would do culinary wise, which was still connected to obviously the food industry and hospitality industry. Um, but wanted to sort of sink my teeth into something a little bit different and, and work work more so front of house rather than back of house because it's extremely rare that a chef will be able to communicate with a daily customer yeah. day in, day out and actually get their feedback on what, what they've experienced from them, which then drew me to being a barista. Right. So being a barista, obviously, you have a almost a daily conversation with your customer day in day out and it's quite a rare thing where you can actually get on the spot feedback from your customer coffee's too weak you get that feedback oh yesterday was a bit weak and mild or watery or today the milk seemed a bit funky or yesterday was rocking what'd you do and then once once the customer's comfortable with the barista they have this really like good energy and and work work sort of work and customer environment where they can just give honest feedback about the product um, so I think that's what led me to sort of wanting to be on the sort of that side of the, the counter, I guess, away from being a chef and into being a barista. Yeah, sometimes um, the chef doesn't get much credit, do they, at the back? They get no credit. They've made no. a lot more, you know, announced with the, you know, all the, all the brands, but the guys who are probably doing the grunt work, 
don't always get a lot of a lot of credit. That's right. Yeah. This yeah. is an extremely interesting, uh, not only business but science. Are we calling it a science? What's happening out the back there? You've just given me this wonderful tour and told me lots about it. But tell the the, the lovely broadcast listeners what, what's happening in this amazing shed with all this. I walk around. I see milk from everywhere. I see coffee from Ethiopia, Colombia. Man, there's a lot going on here. There's a. a and I, and I learn every day as well about how many moving parts our business now has. Like it, it's so many parts to this ever-evolving industry that, that keeps constantly changing and keeping us all on our toes. Um, one thing that makes us different, getting back to your original question, is that um, we, we have a very sustainable approach now. Like from when I started, in, when I was very much an individual barista champion, how do I create that into something that... Barista champion? Yeah, how do I... get to that later. Yeah, we can, yeah. yeah. How do we sort of... How do I get my personal knowledge and understanding of coffee into as many hands as possible? And that was through, obviously, creating a wholesale brand. So the the biggest goal that I kind of had early days was to try and employ as many people in coffee as I could and get them to experience specialty coffee. So everyone here has a has a want to be here. They all are very invested in our industry, which makes us extremely different as well. Um, but, you know, around here, we're in, we're in full charge of everything from sourcing the coffee, so visiting farms at origin level, uh, making sure we're, we're, we've got strong relationships there. So that's one link in our chain. Um, import, export chain, making sure that that's, you know, well managed and looked after and that, that we've tell, got people Tell me about us. them farms. Tell me about them farms. You Which get ones? Out, you, yeah, the ones you go overseas <laughs> to and, yeah. and work with and really look after. Yeah, those... That's kind of what makes us really special here as well, is that we, we don't just talk about the coffees that we're roasting. We actually get off our ass and visit the farms that we're roasting um, year in, year out. Um, I have, we have unbelievable relationships now in, 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 with producers in Brazil, which we visited for the last four years straight, due to be there right now, but unfortunately we can't. But you wouldn't be able to do this podcast, so win-win. Exactly. It's a, it's a win-win. But, uh, <laughs> I guess the, the, the build-up of those four sort of years progressively going to Brazil, I know now that the coffees I'll receive, even though I haven't visited directly this year, is go- are going to be exactly what the standard is that, that we would expect as a company because of that great relationship we have with our producers. Um, so we have many farms that we work with in all parts of Brazil. We have um, some great relationships in Honduras, which we've also visited for many years in a row now. Um, from from Macala region, Santa Barbara region, at different altitudes, different microclimates, um, and Honduras is a is probably the most special country to me because I also I personally own a coffee farm there as well, which wow. we can talk about later too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 understanding that we have and what 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 we expect in our coffee and what they need us to do, um, we have a very very good relationship as far as quality goes and maintaining that quality as well yeah right. um so it's yeah it, it's quite a quite a quite a special thing even el salvador we have great relationships there we've, we've built on year in year out so um everything is 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 fully traceable which is also important to us like yeah, right. where's it from everyone yeah. wants to know what where that product has actually stemmed from um particularly in coffee tell me more about traceability and then i want to talk about your farm okay cool um traceability to us means um, I guess 100% transparency on where the coffees actually come from. Um, now, some of this information is very easily accessible. For example, Brazil, we can pin back, pinpoint right back to the actual farm itself, uh, the producer's name, 
um, you know, crop year, everything. So it, full detail, full transparency. Other countries such as Kenya, Ethiopia are a little bit more um, less transparent in the fact that a lot of the coffees are just delivered to main washing stations. So there, there might be up to one to 2,000 small farmers. There might be one exporter slash main organiser who will look after the coffee and produce it, but it's from multiple farms. So as far as traceability goes, the depth, the layer of that traceability is a bit thinner. So it's it's more regional producers, whereas somewhere like Brazil, we can just go, okay, Parana Estate, um, uh, Facenda, California. This is his Peaberry. Luis Rodriguez is the farmer. And these are the details of the coffee. So we can have uh, traceability in the sense of we, at least we know as much information about that coffee as possible. Mm. That way we can then... Um, let the world know and particularly our customers what that coffee is and where it's from and why it is tasting the way it tastes yeah it's more explainable so you've got an important connection with a lot of these guys and you've helped them out with loads of stuff as well we'll get to your farm i know i said that but yeah, yeah. Well, um okay. what you 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 do a lot of work to raise money for equipment yeah. and all sorts of stuff yeah 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 absolutely um about five years ago i was on my very f- no six years ago i was on my very first origin trip and i was in honduras um which is the first country I visited. Um, that's why it's, it, it means so much to me, Honduras, because it's it's just a stunning place uh, and very underrated in specialty coffee. Where is Honduras? Honduras is I haven't in got Central that on America. my list yet, but yeah. uh, I've been to Central America. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay. Um, so very close to Guatemala, El Salvador, right, um, okay. those, those sorts of countries. Very small country, um, but very, I guess, had a bad rap for um, being a very dangerous country as well um, many years ago. Don't coffee guys yeah. get mugged and taken away are you that guy you got security when you're there oh, yeah just like a, a band of security mate that followed yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an entourage but doesn't that happen <laughs> with big coffee people who are going over there buying tons because they got too much money it can do yeah yeah, yeah. it can do yeah, yeah. i mean it, it's like anything like if you're if you're smart about what you're doing and where you're going and you and you're with locals and you're doing the right thing you're totally fine yeah. but if you're going out in the middle of the night in san pedro sula and you you know you you're going into dodgy nightclubs at 2 a.m then you know, shit's going to hit the fan pretty quick for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, even when you're visiting any parts of uh, any of those Central American countries, you know, there's, there's danger everywhere you go as well. Even in Australia, if you go into the wrong suburbs, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, but most of the time, if you're with the locals, they're looking after you and, you, and you, you're totally fine. Yeah. 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 Nice. Okay, well, tell me about your farm and how did you end up with a farm on the other side of the world? Everyone wants to buy a farm on the Gold Coast hinterland or <laughs> the Sunny Coast hinterland yeah. or down in Byron. And you got one in... Yeah, this this um, this kind of relates back to how I raise money for producers at Origin. Uh, so in in our first Origin trip in two thousand and fifteen, uh, I was with four other coffee roasters. So we're with a group of coffee professionals, which is really nice. Um, and we're kind of standing at this the top of this beautiful mountain in Santa Barbara region in Honduras. And we we sort of looked at it and went, well, as a group, you know, we can come in and buy amazing coffee, but how can we, as a very small group of small roasters, make a difference at Origin? What, what can we do? So we came up with this idea to um, create a um, almost an organisation amongst ourselves where we would buy coffee off producers that might be producing coffee that is a little bit less than specialty, like on the verge, but they, they don't have the money and the resources to invest into their farm to get it to a specialty level. Um, so we came up with a project called Chipola Project, uh, so Chipola is basically a Honduran term for the very first little um, seedling that comes out of the ground. Um, so it's the very new, like it's a new beginning. It's a new start for a coffee plant. 
Um, so as a group, we thought it was a really nice idea to sort of come up with that um, that project. Um, and how can we sort of together buy these coffees, use them within our own businesses, but then all the proceeds from that particular lot of coffee can go back to that farmer directly, all the all the all the proceeds, or any other um, coffee farmer that may be on the verge of specialty but not quite there that needs a little bit of a helping hand. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where it started, and then that fast forward, you know, six years, um, my my company now has a very, as you can see on the wall there, the Chipola Project logo um, is is now a, a project where every year we're finding ways where we can help producers at Origin. Um, some of the things we've done is um, obviously first and foremost is pre-harvest techniques. So getting the producer into a cycle where they're getting some money prior to harvest, that way they can buy fertilizers, they can buy new um, baby plants to put in a nursery which they can grow, which they can then add to their farm. So they keep rejuvenating their, their, their plants because um, they do have a lifespan. Um, so buying seedlings for that, paying for pickers to help them during the harvest period, paying for pulping, washing, um, the whole process of, of the cherry itself come harvest, and then paying above and, uh, above and beyond what you, they would expect for price of coffee as well. Um, so that's one sort of project we do with Finca La Hoya in Honduras, um, which is a, a, a female producer who's basically raised four kids by herself. So that was kind of the first farm that we started working with, which then led to another farm in Brazil, which um, Ellen Fontana from Facenda um, Frontera, um, we've been working with her for five years. And each year we've noticed that her farm and the quality of her plants had been deteriorating. And we got talking to her and it turns out she has this very unique sort of ant slash spider bug, which basically attacks her plants. Wow. And she needed this really big U-Butte sort of special sprayer to enable her to spray underneath the plants, um, but she could never afford it. So we raised um, a, amongst our Tim Adams family, our wholesale customers, um, people off the street, people who bought retail coffee, we managed to raise about $8,000 US to actually pay for that sprayer. Uh, and we purchased that for her in November last year as a part of the Chipola project. Wow. Um, which is awesome. Um, so. It, I guess even though we're very, we're large enough to support our customers, but we're also very small. We can still make a difference where it counts, um, which which is which is a very, very nice place to be as a business owner. I must admit, um, which has then also led to another project in Brazil where we've um, uh, the Mateo region in the centre of Brazil. There's a group of female producers, um, and we help helped construct um, some drying beds for them. So instead of them trying to dry their coffee without any shade or cover, and then during their wet season when they're trying to dry the coffee, if it rains, it will destroy their crop and destroy their cherries that they've just picked. Um, we managed to sort of help raise funds to build about eight drying beds, which are fully covered. So now they can focus on drying coffee at a nice slow rate, which means that if it does rain, it's not gonna affect the cherry itself. A cherry or a seed? Well, I mean, it's always a cherry. You're saying cherry. I guess it starts as a cherry. Yeah. So uh, coffee is a is a plant which obviously yeah. matures over an eight month period, um, but the actual bean itself is is a cherry first and foremost, which grows off the plant. Then it goes it's picked from green to red, red to, to a like a depending on the varietal of coffee to a bright yellow if it's a, like a yellow. When do they pick it at green or red? Uh, they pick it at red. Yeah. A reddish green. Yeah. 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 Very uh, hilly, uh, a lot of these places. Do they pick a lot of it by hand? Um, depends where you are. 
Uh, Brazil use a lot of mechanical harvesting because they're larger farms and very, very flat land because the altitudes are very different in Brazil. Colombia, Honduras, El Salvador, all mainly hand-picked on the sides of, of, of mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some are 1,500 to 2,000 metres above sea level. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so people uh, will probably want to want to help after this conversation right now. Well, it's fresh in their mind and we're halfway through this podcast. Yeah. Probably. Is it where? How do they? How can they? You know, contribute to some of these charities. Yeah. Like, what's the best way? Easiest step is to is to buy Tim Adams specialty coffee from your local caffeine dealer. Really, that's that's the first. Like every cup that we sell goes back to that project. So like every single individual cup that is produced, we will then obviously sell that customer the beans. Which so from those bean sales, we contribute. So the coffee that we sell through the boxes is helping out. All helps. Yep. The boxes, that looked like everything. a loaded question, but I did not know that answer. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess every cup helps. Yeah. 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 Every cup helps. I haven't answered about the farm yet. Yes. So, uh, going I'm back glad, to Honduras. I'm glad you're, you're doing this. You're great. Yeah, you're the, I'm, yeah. I'm all over it, mate. Yeah. No um, the, the farm came because we've been working with another family in Honduras called the Lanza family. Very, very um, unbelievable family. Um, and we, they do anything for you when you go there, which also makes it a nice, humbling experience when you're visiting these countries that. You can go there and they'll look after you 100%. Um, so this family, not last year, the year before, the mountain in Santa Barbara was hit by incredible frost, which means producers that were doing, say, 30 to 40 bags per year were doing one to nothing. So everything out of their control, purely down to, I personally would put it down to maybe global warming and how environmental changes have just been very different over the last sort of three or four years um, wow. but they were they were hit with an incredibly cold snap right in the middle of harvest or right in the middle of when the cherry was trying to mature and 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 develop its sugars which meant that their production dropped significantly so they purchased another farm to try and a little bit lower in altitude to try and offset that sort of um income and there was a block of land right near there or a block of um i guess wild coffee cherries that that the Lanzas knew the owner and they were trying to sell it, but they couldn't afford to buy it. So what we did is we we donated the money from Chipola Project so they could fund and buy this third farm. And after we sort of did that, they they basically were so grateful that they they essentially turned around and offered me fifty percent in the in in the in the actual farm itself. Um, wow. Which then I obviously accepted because it was, I mean, an amazing opportunity to be involved. And yeah, so we, we then called that farm Finca Chipola, which is off our, um, off our project. So, wow, that's a great yeah. story. So it's, it had its very first harvest last year and the coffee was terrible, like yeah. terrible. We still bought it. <laughs> uh, and then we, our, our roasting team does an amazing job with, yeah. what, with the way they roast the coffee. So we, from a roasting perspective, um, you know, being a specialty coffee needs to hit 80 points minimum to be classed as a specialty coffee grade. So 80 points out of 100 when you when you taste it or when you you know assess it, we generally buy 84 plus. So this cupped at sort of 80, 81 points. But by the time we roasted it, when we cupped it again, we sort of gained maybe one or two points. So it was very acceptable for a milk-based coffee. Yeah. That is amazing what you just said then. It's, um, you know, these guys, you just took me through the warehouse and, and uh, they essentially look like DJs. They, uh, they're at this massive big computer screen. I'll tell you yeah. what we'll do. Yeah. On this post, actually... If you scroll across on the Instagram post, we'll have these videos that you took, Nick, uh, of these guys DJing their, their way around. So yeah. if anyone wants to see that, head to our Instagram and probably your Instagram and stroll across one and we'll, um, we'll have that video because it's cool. quite amazing to watch. Yeah. And I know that 
even, you know, I'm a big coffee lover and I don't think I even really drank, um, I mean, saw uh, the coffee roasting process until about five years ago and it yeah. just knocked my socks off because, yeah. you know, um, you know it, it is an amazing process. So tell us, tell me about what these guys are doing and how they yeah. become yeah. these these coffee DJs. <laughs> um, there's no substitute for quality as far as green coffee goes. So you're only as good as your ingredients you put into the roaster. So it, it, it your raw ingredient is your key. So we, we tirelessly spend you know, year in, year out, trying to source great green coffee from, from farmers. So um, the idea of our philosophy with roasting is that we're, we're allowing the drum to do the work for us and we're just there to monitor to make sure that we're pulling the best out of that coffee, which means we don't, we don't roast the, the coffee incredibly dark. We roast it to a point where we're capturing the flavour profile that that coffee has to offer. So we're using equipment which is um, um, very old school traditional, so um, we're using Kirscher and Mauser um, drum roasters. Um, the, the biggest one we're roasting on is from the from the 1970s. It took us about eight months to find this roaster. That is a big machine. Uh, it is a big machine. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a 45 kilo charge weight. So that basically means its capacity is 45 kilos of green coffee essentially. But as a company, we're only we're only putting in about 70 percent of that charge weight. What that does is it allows us to roast with both um, two types of heat. You got conduction and convection heat. So conduction is like you're cooking a steak on a barbecue. So the coffee is hitting the side of the drum. So you're using that heat to, to gain momentum in the coffee. And then convection is like a fan-forced oven. So as the coffee becomes softer and softer during that whole roasting process, it's becoming more porous, which means it's softer, which means the air temperature will start to develop the coffee as well. So the first part of the drum, we get the coffee really hot and warm. Um, and then essentially we're trying to penetrate the inside of the seed and then allowing it to expand, losing moisture content, so dropping in, in full moisture content, um, which then allows the coffee to start caramelizing and developing its natural sugars. Wow. Um, so through that roast process, we're using um, a program called Cropster, which is essentially a, a, a cloud, like a program in the cloud. So our head roaster, James, can essentially monitor every roast within a minute of it of the roast being finished. So you said it like checks something every 15 seconds yeah, or something? Or? Yeah. yeah. So the actual temperature, so the bean temperature, so that there's a probe that sits in the weight of the, the bean as it's turning, and there's also an air temperature probe. So we're monitoring both those temperatures every 15 seconds through the whole roast profile to make sure that uh, everything is on track. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah. The, you look at a screen and it, it kind of blows your mind how, many, how much detail is there and, and how accurate you can get it but also you can miss it as well at the same time so you know we're using all this amazing technology take me back to who was the first cup of coffee what give me the 30 second history on how did we discover coffee do you know that yeah we do oh, legends has it that it was a a goat herder in ethiopia yeah and the goat basically ate the cherries and started dancing around and jumping around all right and so the the i guess the traditional goat herder found these beans picked them and by chance ate one thought it tasted horrible threw it into a threw it into the fire and then it started to brown and caramelize and started to have these really nice kind of aromatics about it beautiful uh, and that's then, a great story and then from there yeah whether it's true or not what about know, the one in uh, bali where they have the that poor cat or whatever it is uh, uh, this the, the savitz cat yeah the, the kopi luwak yeah 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 that's not cool hey that's uncool yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately it was very normal like when yeah. it first happened like the 
So essentially, when I was talking about picking the ripest cherries where the, the sugars are at their highest, um, these cats would eat the, the premium cherries off the tree. So when I was at its peak, really sweet, really delicious, and then they'd crap it out, essentially. Mm. And then they'd That's why they call the it a cat poochino. Cat poo coffee, yeah. <laughs> cat poochino. Well, I had one once and it was like, it was like salted caramel. It was yeah. Really bizarre flavor. Yeah, really yeah, bizarre. Yeah, I don't think we should support that because I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's definitely not cool. Not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, what else happens here at this beautiful place? So, you were, let's go back, you're a barista champion. Yep. 2009. Yeah, correct. That's a long time ago. Man, that was, man, that was 10 years sense? ago. 10 years ago. So, we turned 10 last month. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I guess the refreshing thing for me is, and, and my wife, Katie, who we've, we've been sort of smashing it out for 10 years now, that, that we still feel very young at heart and very enthusiastic about what the future holds and what, how we as a, as a group can make a difference, both sustainability-wise, education-wise, our team, helping our customers. Tell me about like, it. Like, it's been Tell great. me about Because I know you do yeah. coffee courses here and yeah, stuff. So, yeah, so the room you're in now is um, basically our barista studio where – we will do all our, or the bulk of our wholesale training here for anyone who's using our product. We, we offer free training to them. That way we can monitor, you know, how they're making the coffee, following, you know, the protocols that we would set, the recipes that we would set for our coffee. Um, but if you're a general punter off the street and you're trying to get the perfect cup at home, you're more than welcome to book, book with us and we'll, we'll run a, a, like an introductory sort of class here as well. Um, but it's not just about showing you the machine. We try, we kind of incorporate the whole tour of the facility. Yeah. Um, especially for our wholesale partners, so they can understand everything from the raw raw seed all the way through to the final cup. Now, coffee machines in general, um, is there a preferred brand or what? You know, like I've got a I um, with COVID, I bought the DeLonghi machine, which yeah. is a cracker. Yeah, I yeah. think it, I rate it. Yeah, um, but you know. What, what what do you think people should buy at home, and what do you think? This is a big thing. You're probably sponsored by somebody, you know. Like, what's what's the guy? <laughs> no, I'm non-biased. I'm non-biased. It's a really funny question because for me personally, because yeah. since I've been drinking coffee, I've never had an espresso machine at home. Of course, I've yeah. never had one at home yeah. because I've just always been very lucky to walk down to someone who's using our coffee and they, yeah. you know, I'll product test, you know, and then get it and get a brew. Um, I reckon the best thing for home is keeping it very simple and basic. So there's a lot of nice little heat exchanger machines. There's a little, you know, the DeLonghi's, the Sunbeams, they're all producing a very nice cup of coffee. The biggest thing is to invest in a very good grinder because that's what cuts the coffee. Yeah, so if okay. you don't cut the coffee nicely, you just end up milling it. And if you mill the coffee, you won't get the flavor profile out of it. So it's crucial so, to have a very good grinder. So what's the grinder need to be on the old setting on the DeLonghi? Now, if it's too coarse, it doesn't work. It gets caught in the thing. Yeah, like it's got to be super fine. Got to go fine. Yeah. yeah, as fine as fine as you probably can get those little machines. Yeah. yeah. Another trick is to maybe have a look at the basket size. So, like yeah. the group handle size. If the if you can get a slightly deeper basket, it means you can get a more of a commercial amount of dose in the basket, which means you'll get a fuller flavour in the cup instead of a really watery sort of. Um, you know, thin, thin espresso shot if you're using a very shallow basket. But if you want to know more kids, come and do the course. Yeah. How do they find you on that? Is that just on your web? Just we... on our web, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim Adams, your name. Dot net.au, yeah, is, yeah. Um, is it? Yeah, but um, the only, if you punch in Tim Adams, the Tim Adams wines come up. Oh. Ah. Yeah, yeah. 
which um, is that your other company? Yes, my other company. It's a side <laughs> hustle. Yeah, there's no money in coffee, so I just stick, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, uh, yeah. stick to wine. You got to give it all back <laughs> yeah. to the farmers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're you're a champ in 2009. Uh, that obviously put you in a good position to do what you're doing. Yeah. Now that 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 title is currently with is it Chili Chili Sproul? Yeah, Chili. Yeah. So and she works with you. She works with me. Yeah. So she's pretty much head of um, head of training um qc um so quality control um is she assessing. like walking around like pinging off her head like oh my god i've had 25 coffees because that's my job i think we all are yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> i thought so because they were dancing out the bat that's why i, I call them yeah, djs yeah. Yeah. If, if someone has fun and laughs you know you know they've had too much coffee yeah right um, yeah. <laughs> but she yeah so she's now five times queensland brewster champion Wow. Uh, so yes, yeah, something else that, that that I learned when I was competing back in the early days is it was kind of a lonely road because I was kind of doing it as an individual. It didn't really have the support of a of a large company or you know uh, big sponsors behind me. Um, so when Tilly started competing, it was very James and I very very much made a, a solid decision to really really focus on getting behind her and creating a team that works with her on stage, not just her trying to do it by herself. Yeah, right. um, and that's led her to yeah an amazing results of five Queensland titles. Um, she's the highest ranked female barista in the country for two years in a row now um, and was very, very close to winning the Nationals last year. Um, obviously, this year's comps have been postponed due to, due to COVID-19. Um, but, yeah, she's 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 amazing influence and, and you know, very well respected within the industry. So um, breeding barista champions is something else that we, we do also do here. Yeah. Wow. So how do you do that? What happens if someone wants to be a barista champion? What are they going to do? That's an excellent question. Um, reach out. Just, just you know, um, we're very, we're very an open, open sort of environment here. Like we're very approachable. So we, we, we listen to anyone who wants to sort of ask a question, and we we try and steer them in the right direction. But mentoring is is something that we can we can look into and do for future barista champions for sure. Yeah. Uh, where does Tilly like make coffee? Does she she rock up here? Where, where is she? Where do we, how do we get Tilly? She, she's on the road seeing our customers at oh, the moment. Okay. So, so she does has a very much a core customer service focus as well. Yeah. Um, right. in in what she does in her role, but it's very versatile. She does our marketing. She does some graphic designing for us. Yeah. Training baristas. Did she make that little thing for for us for our little thing or that little code that goes to our website? Whatever yeah, you guys did, she put did. that together. She that was amazing. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, she's obviously our, got her stuff together. Yeah, was she in the Navy as well? Pretty pumped about our partnership. Yeah, she's. Um, yeah, well, we're going to do a real push on it soon to you know get yeah. into some some homes. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're here. We're going to get some footage today after this if, if we've got time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one thing you did promise me is you're going to make me one of these specialty coffees things that you're going to pull out of the freezer. Now you're going to keep that promise. Ah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I guess yeah, you've been patiently <laughs> waiting to. Yeah. No, you don't have to do it right now, but yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't want to go home without that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've got a really great uh, culture in your business. You're doing some really wonderful things um, uh, for communities abroad. Uh, you're making a real community. They're all things that businesses need to do. And I think that's one thing that that everyone can either take from it if, they, if they're not already doing it. But um, I feel it's the essence of probably being able to cope with what is going on at the moment with the COVID stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and just bringing that community in and, and keeping it keeping it pretty um, dare I say it, tight, but um, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're, you've got a great great business. I'm I'm really pumped to be here, and I haven't had that coffee yet, so um, yeah. you'd be more pumped after it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, what? So what? Um, what is uh, your? Uh, this is the, usually a question I had at the end. But it's a little bit of a loaded question. What is? Uh, what's your favorite actual fruit? 
my favourite fruit. Um, I would probably toss up between a very ripe plum, um, and I'm I'm partial to a good good crispy apple too. So not the coffee bean. No. <laughs> there is hardly any fruit actually on the the coffee fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a thin layer. Um, yeah, and then a lot of mus- sticky mucilage on the outside of it. But yeah, not a lot of fruit to eat. No. Tell me about the different styles of coffee. What's what's in fashion? What's going on? There's loads of different milks around. Like what, what's going on? What's going on? It's. I mean, when I when I first started in coffee, you were, you know, you were trendy if you had a mocha. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> if you had a 16 ounce mocha, you were you're in the mix. You know, you were quite trendy, and and that's that was a, a big push. How how weird was it when you're that guy and you accidentally ordered a latte and they bought it out in the tall, tall, clear glass, <laughs> yeah. and you're with your mates who were drinking piccolo? Has that made you completely uncool? Is this a like? <laughs> is this what happened to you? <laughs> this thing happened to me. I'm still trying to cope with it. Yeah, uh, I've I've never drank in a tall tall glass of latte. <laughs> I accidentally <laughs> did. Accidentally, I swear it was a mistake. But but you're right though about the piccolo. Then then it kind of went from a mocha to like piccolos were going crazy at one point there five years ago. Everyone was drinking a piccolo, uh, and then we, our team sort of and and there was a few specialty guys as we started to sort of progress away from commercially roasted coffee into the specialty market. Magics were quite like were just starting off as well. Um, so magic is essentially a, a strong based flat white. I'm so glad you got yeah. that because you saw the look on my face. But yeah, 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 I did not know what that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, very, very intense. You know, it's almost like a double shot without the full extraction in a very small cup, flat white. Um, but now, uh, I think with the quality of 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 green coffee that comes into Australia now, like you know, there's many great roasters around Australia sourcing ethically. Like you, you know. I could name 10, which I look up to and respect and, 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 you know, use them as examples of how I can be better as a company. Um, just such great coffee coming into Australia that you, you need to experience as a, as a black drinker. So I think with the the way the last two to three years came, we've we seen a group of, um, I think, you know, CrossFit, that would became quite popular. Mm. So CrossFitters would cut back on milk. Mm. So black, like long blacks became... I noticed, particularly when I was working behind the bar, long black started becoming more and more popular and, and just black coffee in general to the health conscious sort of community. But nowadays it's 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 getting all plant-based style of, of beverage like almond milk, um, oat milk, lactose-free milk is still very strong, soy milks are strong, macadamia milk, um, coconut milk. Uh, we're, we're stocking all these milks because our wholesale partners obviously need that to to make their coffees. And because we're a, you know, we're trying to have a complete range of products to service our customers with, not just the, the roasted coffee, that we're we're carrying up to eight different alternative dairy products now. Does that affect the way? Like if I'm going from a a, a sweet, uh, what was that lactose free one you said you had? Uh, what's it called? The lactose free milk you got? Zimmel. Uh, Zimmel. Yeah. So when that's quite sweet, and yeah. compare that to Potentially the arm milk. Yeah, maybe. yeah. How is that differing for the barista? I guess there's going to be a lot of training involved to absolutely. handle the milk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they, they all, because they're all different weights, like the way they sit in the jug and the way you start to spin the milk, they're very heavy. So you have to be very mindful not to over texture them so they become too fluffy and too foamy or overheat them where then you risk, run the risk of burning all those sugars. What is the temperature that coffee is uh, supposed to be? Look, ideally it should be drinkable but not gulpable. Yeah. So 60, 60 degrees is kind of on the knocker, yeah. 
anything cooler than that on a cold day will be very scullable, which is quite unenjoyable. Are but you like no coffee for you when someone orders a hot flat white? Oh, yeah. No coffee for you. No, no coffee. <laughs> the, 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 the milk Nazi. Yeah. No, no coffee for you. Um, look, I, I kind of learned from a very early beginning that you kind of need to just keep the customer happy. <laughs> so does that mean we burn the odd occasional jug of milk? Yeah, sure. But yeah, um, yeah those, those extra hot drinkers, it infuriates them when the barista turn around and goes, you know, it should be at a certain temperature. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I try not to get into those arguments. It's, I can it's, only it's educate. It's the old well done we steak, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. People are going to, um, different people make yeah. the world go around. Yeah. But it's an interesting stat that we're sort of, uh, we're actually selling more alternative dairy than we are roasted coffee in volume as in weight. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. And yeah. you said that we're going to be able to sell that on our little uh, platform for the home as well. That'll Absolutely. Be, that'll be good. So yeah. people can buy their milk very conveniently Absolutely. as well. That's yep. great. Yep. Great product. Long lasting. Stores well. And it's there and, and it's it, it has a different array of flavor profiles. You know, like even the almond milks you can they, they vary differently. But one of the one of the traps, so if you are an almond milk drinker or a soy drinker, is to buy ones that are being specifically designed to heat on a steaming one with coffee. Don't buy your local from your supermarket, which is just a standard product which is designed for a smoothie or your cereal. Get one that is being developed for barista made style so head to the suncoast uh, page and there will be the milk tap in yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it really is lovely talking to you and, and i and i just feel some really good energy in here and um I, I i do wish you all the best with whatever you do thank you um i know you're distributing into into brisbane and where else do you distribute that was one of the questions i wanted to know yeah yeah we um we're, we're very uh, we've got good strong networks now so we, we distribute australia wide Wow. Um, obviously, we're being our foundation here on the Sunshine Coast. We're very, very strong as a brand and as a company. But we have um, a great support network in Brisbane through through John Laker, who you've met. So he heads up our Brisbane operation. Yeah. Uh, and Brisbane's a market where our quality of product is be, being very, very well received, and we're and we're gaining a lot of traction in that market, which is awesome because um, there's a lot of room to grow there. Where we're where, I guess a cafe owner wants wants to know that they're going to be looked after by someone who can support them strongly, but still have that very much hands-on approach effect of a small business vision, what we are. So um, if you want to try John Coffee, he's at the Northerly Street, is it Northerly? Yeah, Northerly, Northerly, Northerly Street. Northerly Street Market uh, on a every Sunday. Sunday yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And on our website, we've also got a range of, of other wholesale customers in that area, in Brisbane area, which, which you can grab a, a Tim Adams brew. Yeah. yeah um, but we also have a support network in Rockhampton, so we have a distributor there through Cup of Cabana. Then we have another distributor in Townsville through Bootleg Coffee. Um, and then we're also, um, we, we also ship, you know, Australia-wide into New South Wales and Victoria. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Mate, I really, really am impressed. And uh, I've known for a long time that I would be impressed to, to talk to you. And um, yeah, it's, it's fabulous. Like we've only physically met for the first time today. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate you um, letting us work with your brand. And um, yeah, fabulous. Tim Adams. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks, Graham.